Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Uh, Find your place in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 today. And we're going to be in uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. We're going to cover two chapters this morning. So we're going to be together for probably about an hour and a half today. You're laughing, but I'm not. Um, I'm teasing, uh, kind of. We have been, uh, we've been taking a break, of course, from our series in 1 Corinthians just for the last two weeks. And uh, last week, if you were with us, uh, we, we looked to Matthew chapter 28, familiar portion of scripture, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, 19, and 20, known as the Great Commission, that, that kind of last call that Jesus gave to the followers of him. Uh, of course, he, had, he was crucified and risen from the dead, and through those next uh, 40 days or so, Jesus spent time just pouring into his disciples, his followers, calling them to reality. And last week, we just understood that there's a lot of Christians that go around living in, in a false reality. We kind of get stuck in the here and now, and we think that all the belongings and our job and all of these things, those things are going to last forever. And we miss the fact that people are going to spend eternity somewhere. Every coworker, every friend, every loved one, every single person who is born into this world is going to spend eternity somewhere. And Jesus said to his followers, because you know the truth, go out and tell other people the truth. And so last week, we were challenged just in the area of stepping back, quit living a false reality, right? Like those little kids that put on a costume in March. They can do that. A kid can put a costume on in March and do that. An adult can't do that. And that was my, if you were here last week, as an opening illustration, totally off subject. I was in a coffee shop on Monday and you know what people were talking about? They were talking about that. Not my illustration, some guy, like, I, I mean, just a conversation that I overheard, and a guy said, man, it's the month of October. Kids get to dress up in the month of October. I, I wonder, what would it be like if an adult walked in here with a Spider-Man costume on? Like that, I was like, that was my illustration yesterday. Uh, you know what? There's a lot of people, man. We would look at them like, what, what are you doing? You know, there's something that has something a little, a little off with that fella, you know? But you know what? There's a lot of Christians that live in a false reality. We go about thinking that what we have and what we're looking at is real, but the unseen is what is actually real. Eternity is real. Heaven and hell are real. And you and I have an answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. The, the way, the truth, and the life, like was spoken about just a moment ago. And so last week, we were challenged with that because of that, because that that is reality. Man, as Christians, we need to step back into that. We were challenged with two simple thoughts last week. Number one is, what am I doing? What am I doing to reach those in my sphere of influence? The people I come in contact with, how am I sharing Christ with them? And every person that you and I talk to, God might be bringing them into your path to simply say the challenge that we gave last week. Just ask, just, just, hey, have I ever told you how much God loves you? Hey, have I ever spoken to you about how much God loves you? So what are you doing with those in your sphere of influence? And then that second challenge, what are we doing to help further the gospel around the world. And so our focus was on getting the gospel of Jesus Christ out. And today we're kind of going to be in the same area and the same topic about getting the the gospel of Jesus out. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter number 8 and chapter number 9. When we come to uh, the book of Corinthians, of course, We've been in 1 Corinthians, so we're not going to go through and get everything about Corinth and how crazy of a city it was and all of those things. But the book of 2 Corinthians, 
Paul would write it about three years, three, maybe four years after he wrote the book of 1 Corinthians. There's some, uh, some debate on when he wrote it, but we don't need to know necessarily it was one year or two years or three years later. We just know he wrote it. And the, the, one of the main reasons of the book of 2 Corinthians is to encourage the believers at Corinth to keep moving forward for God. Hey, in every area of life, just keep growing for God. The, the challenge of 1 Corinthians is like, hey, uh, you guys have a lot of issues. <laughs> There's some things we need to correct. You've written to me some questions, and we've been going through that on Sunday mornings. 2 Corinthians is kind of the encouraging letter. 1 Corinthians kind of like the, hey, let's grow up. You guys are acting really immature. Let's mature. And uh, 2 Corinthians is like, hey, you've got this. Hey, you can move forward. And so when you come to 2 Corinthians, Paul is trying to talk to them about about growing in every area of the Christian life. Hey, don't have a neglected area of growth in your Christian life. Focus on every character trait. Ask God, God, help me to grow in, and he lists out a number of things. Here's what I would liken it to. This is, this is uncommon in our, in our uh, day and age, but maybe you've seen this. You ever seen somebody, maybe you know somebody, I knew, I knew a, a girl in elementary school that was like this, but you've seen somebody when physically, physically they grow in a natural pace except for one part of their body. Uh, growing up, my fifth grade uh, school teacher, I speak of her often, uh, Mrs. Cecil, and uh, I love Miss Cecil, made a huge impact in my life. But one of Mrs. Cecil's daughters, um, she grew at a natural pace, but her arm did not. And so here she was as a teenager, um, in nat- just a, a beautiful teenage girl. I remember I was probably like third, third and fourth grade, and she was the same age as my sisters. But she is normal in every way until you saw her arm. And her arm did not grow at the same pace as the rest of her body. Now, if you see something like that, you kind of go, well, that's, man, that's a, that's a bummer. That's hard. That's got to be, why would we say, well, that's hard? Because it's not natural. Does that make sense? It's, I mean, natural growth occurs that, you know, everything grows together. Physically, that's how it works. In your character, that's, that's how it should work. But the same is true in your Christian life. But here's what a lot of Christians do. We grow in areas that we think we need to grow in, and we neglect other areas. That is kind of the premise of what Paul is going to get at in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Hey, you're growing in these areas, but don't neglect this area. I want you to see what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Stand with me if you would. And let's just look at a couple of verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 and verse 8, <coughs> excuse me, is where we're going to start this morning. Notice what Paul says. He says, therefore, therefore, as you abound in everything, in, in faith and utterance and knowledge <coughs> and in all diligence and in your love to us, See that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by the occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. Paul says to them just very briefly, he says, you're growing in a ton of ways, growing in faith, utterance, knowledge, in diligence. You're growing in your love towards others, but 
see that you abound or keep growing in this grace also. Well, what is he talking about? The context of chapters eight and chapter nine is see that you abound, see that you grow in caring for others and giving to others, just like every other area of your Christian life. And that's what I wanna talk with you about this morning is the challenge that Paul gave to Corinth to continue growing, keep growing in faith, utterance, knowledge, diligence, your love for, love for uh, uh, people and the workers of God, but don't neglect growing in caring for people and giving to help people. Because let's be honest, if we're not careful, we can get wrapped up in our own bubble, can't we? Oh, we can, we can like be like, man, I'm a person of faith. You know, I go to church and I'm doing, we can check the boxes on faith and knowledge and utterance and diligence and love. And then we can neglect to really care about people and use our life to invest and give into people. And that's what we're gonna look at this morning. So let's pray and then we'll get right into the message. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take just a minute and would you ask the Lord, Ask God to speak to you this morning and ask God to help you to be challenged in not neglecting the area of caring for others and giving to others. Dear Lord, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the time of service we've already had and just the time to worship you and Lord, we want to echo what was sung just a minute ago, that here we are to worship, to bow down before you, to humble ourselves, to recognize our need of you. And so, God, I pray that you would help us, help us today to hear, help me as I preach this morning not to give my words, but to speak your truth. And God, I pray that you challenge each one of us. And Father, today I pray that if there's someone with us in person or online that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray that today would be the day that they put their faith and their trust completely in you. We love you, Lord. Thanks for your love for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> As we find our place in 2 Corinthians 8, I just wanna add some, uh, what I say is add some color to something that seems kind of just black and white for us. Here's what we need to know. We need to know at this time, of course, Paul uh, was that great persecutor of the early believers, but God would use him to be a, a great proponent for Christ and a great preacher for the Lord. And Paul was traveling around, starting churches, helping Christians, encouraging believers. Really, he was doing the, the biblical work of, a, of an evangelist, just traveling around and helping God's people grow in him and helping new people come to know God. But because of that, man, Paul had a burden for a tons of tons and tons of people. Uh, he met tons and tons of people. He started churches in, in places like Philippi and Thessalonica and started churches in, in Ephesus and, and helped start churches, uh, even though he didn't travel to certain places. He helped start a church in Colossae and different things like that in Galatia and all these Corinth where we're looking and Athens, all these different places. And because of that, he would meet all these, all these people. And then he would leave. And he would wonder, like, I wonder how they're doing. And I wonder what's going on in their life. Aren't you thankful? You know, I know social media can be so crazy. But aren't you thankful for social media and the opportunity to stay up to date with people? Uh, man, it's like we're, we're, we've never seen that before. You know, you can just have great contact with people. They didn't have that back then. 
You know, so Paul, he's wondering what's going on in Corinth. I mean, he might send a letter to him, but it's going to take a month to get there and a month to get back. And by the time the news gets to him, well, things have already changed back there in Corinth. But, but Paul, he had this great burden to, uh, to help these believers at Corinth. But one of the things that Paul did on one of his missionary journeys is he had heard that the believers at Jerusalem, and we got to catch this, he had heard that the believers at Jerusalem, they were going through extreme challenges. They were being persecuted for their faith. They were being arrested, some of them being killed. They were losing homes. They were losing jobs. They were losing their livelihood. I mean, it was a chaotic time. Many of them facing persecution, but then also a great uh, famine, not, not necessarily a famine, but a financial famine had hit Jerusalem, and a lot of people were just in dire straits, if you will, financially, relationship. I mean, people in Jerusalem, the church at Jerusalem was just struggling. So because of that, Paul would go around to the churches and he'd tell them, hey, hey, the believers at Jerusalem, they're, they're challenged right now. Let's gather up an offering All right, Moses Lake Baptist, let's gather up an offering because the believers in Jerusalem, they're struggling. And so let's, would you give something that we will take to them and just just to be a blessing because they're hurting and and they're still trying to preach the gospel and see people saved, but they're in the midst of just hurt. Let's be an encouragement to them by giving to them. So Paul travels and he tells a bunch of churches about that. Well, at one point, word had gotten to the believers at Corinth that Paul was doing this. And so they got excited about it. But a year went by and they never did anything. They were like, yes, we want to help them. And a year passed by and they never did anything. They never sent word. They never helped. They never sent an encourager. They never sent a, a gift to them, anything. And so Paul includes that in this third letter. Really, it's the, yeah, it would be the third letter that Paul wrote to the believers at Corinth. He writes to them to say, hey, you're, you're growing in a bunch of areas, but you've neglected growing in truly caring for others and truly giving to others. And so in all of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul helps them with this. How do we grow in giving to others and caring for others? I want you to notice a few thoughts with me that we're going to see today. First, I want us to see that we can grow in giving when we recognize that giving is encouraging. Giving is encouraging. Go with me, if you will, to verse 1 through 4 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 4. <clears throat> Paul writes this, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, that phrase, we do you to wit, is just, I, I want you to know. I want you to know about the grace of God or the the strength from God that was given or bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves praying with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Here's what Paul is saying in those first four verses, just kind of give us a synopsis real quick. He's saying, I've already made mention to you of the churches of Macedonia. 
Paul writes about those churches of Macedonia. They were a blessing to Paul and they were a blessing to the believers at Jerusalem. And Paul is just using them as an example. He's saying, hey, I want you to know about the strength, the empowerment that the believers at, at Thessalonica and Berea and uh, 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 Amphipolis and, and um, Apollonia, all, all of these different places. I want you to know that God empowered them to give and it was a big encouragement to me. Well, what do we see in verse number two? I love verse, verse number two. And he says this, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. What is he saying about them? He's saying, hey, even though those churches in Macedonia, even though they were struggling, even though they were in deep poverty, Paul says they gave as though they were rich and they were overjoyed to do it. Verse three and four, Paul's like, we told them no. We were like, no, you guys are hurting. You can't give to us. And he's like, they, they made us take the gift back to Jerusalem. They were like, no, 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 Paul. We are hurting, but they're hurting too. And we want to be, we want to be a blessing to them. And you know what Paul says? He says, that was an encouragement to me. Man, that was an encouragement to me. You ever heard the phrase, it's more blessed to give than to what? Receive. Receive. You, you know who said that? God did. <laughs> I think if God said it, we could take it to the bank, right? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, the five-year-old doesn't think that, <laughs> Right? Man, you go upstairs today to the, go upstairs to the three-year-old nursery this morning and you try to teach that principle to a three-year-old. It's more blessed to give than to receive. They're gonna, it's, it's not, they're, it's not, not computing. No, in their mind, it's more blessed, mine, mine, right? You know what's sad is there are a lot of 30-year-olds and 50-year-olds and 70-year-olds and 80-year-olds that go, mine, mine. And here's what God said through Paul using the believers at Macedonia to encourage the Corinthian Christians, hey, giving is always blessed by God. I love the thought, God always uses giving to be a blessing to the recipient as well as to the giver. Our giving is used by God all of the time to bless people. When we are faithful and steadfast in caring for others and giving to others, it can be powerfully used in the lives of so many people. I remember when Hannah and I were first married, and I use illustrations all the time of those days. And I just remember being first married. Those of you that you got married maybe young, you remember kind of having nothing? Yeah, we had nothing. I remember I was in Bible college. I was, you know, we literally had to scrape in. We, we drove her Geo Metro. And uh, I'm, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm six foot four. <laughs> a Geo Metro, you know, it's like getting in a cardboard box. It's, it's getting in a shoe box. Speaking of which, this week when we flew back for, to be with my sister, I rented a car. And, you know, I go in there and I just, I just rent the cheapest one. I'm like, I'm not going to be driving it much. At least I didn't think I was. And I got there, and this car, it's, it's called a, a Spark. Have <laughs> ever heard of the Spark? Oh, I'm not exaggerating. It's the size of a love seat in a, in a living room, you know? I got in. We walked up, and Hannah looks at it, and she's like, she looks at me, and I was like, what, you call me fat, you know? 
She's like, you gonna fit in there? I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna fit in there. I'm gonna force myself to fit in there because I ain't paying more money for a rental car. And sure enough, man, I get in and I'm just buzzing around in that little thing. Great gas mileage. But anyway, I had to, I had to be put on a, a stretcher afterwards and pull me back out, you know. I have no idea why I told you that, but... Uh, man, we were, we were in Bible college, we were broke, and we just didn't, didn't have money. You're digging in that little Geo Metro for coins just to get, a, to get a dollar cheeseburger from McDonald's that we could split. I'm not exaggerating. Like, where it was one night, we were like, I was like, you got any money? She's like, no. I was like, we got $3 in the bank, and I got to put gas in the car to go to work tomorrow. I said, we need, we need, we got any food at home? She's like, no. All right, start digging. And we came up, we came up with a dollar oh seven. I'm not exaggerating, a dollar oh seven to buy one cheeseburger and split it. And man, talk about exciting days. <laughs> you know what God taught us during that time? God taught me a principle that I'm so glad He taught me then. That even though we were hurting, we heard about a need at a missions conference, and we knew, we knew. Man, there's, there's, at, that, at that point, there's, man, there's $50 in the bank. And both of us, separate from each other, we knew God wanted us to give that $50. We just knew it. And she was like, hey, what are you? Uh, yep, God's already spoke to me. We need to give the 50. And we gave. And I've told the story time and time again here is just a great illustration. But man, the next day, the very next day, a family knocked on our door at 8.30 in the morning with bags and bags of groceries fixed a car that was broke down, invited us to dinner. And I joke about it, but we were even out of toilet paper. And the night before I was like, God, like, like we literally have nothing. We're leaving that family's house that night. And she goes, hey, Dennis, listen, we went to Costco and this, don't, don't think this is weird. We bought an extra 36 pack of toilet paper. Do you guys need it? I'm not exaggerating, am I? I'm, I'm telling you the, the dead truth. Man, it was, I, I started crying. I started crying. I was blown away. But you know what God taught me through all of that? God saying, hey, giving is always encouraging. Even if you don't receive a bunch back like that story, God always uses it to be an encouragement. I love the story of Tabitha, <clears throat> otherwise known, her, her, her name was Dorcas. Why would you like that name, you know? I mean, like seven brides for seven brothers. Dorcas, remember Dorcas on there? All three of you, yeah. <laughs> Acts 9.36, it says, there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman, she was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. In the story, she passes away, but listen to what is said about her. Peter arose and went with them, and when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows, they stood by him weeping and showing the coats and the garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. I love the testimony of Tabitha, why she was a giver, and you know what? It was a blessing to all those around her. I just want to encourage you today. You want to know how we can grow in our giving? We can grow in our giving when we recognize that giving is encouraging. Notice secondly, though, this morning that giving, we will grow in our giving and our caring when we understand that giving follows personal surrender. It follows personal surrender. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 5. Still Paul speaking about the churches of Macedonia. He says, and this they did. They were able to do this 
not as we hoped, like, like we, we didn't want them to, but they were able to do this because they first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You know what that phrase simply means? That phrase simply means that God used these people to give because they had been personally surrendered to God. They recognized, hey, God, everything belongs to you. They first gave their own selves to the Lord. Don't miss that when you're reading through 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. It's all, it's all about giving, both, both chapters. It's about giving and caring for people. But this one statement is key in the entire two chapters. They first gave of their own selves to the Lord. They didn't give because of guilt. They didn't give because of force or pressure from Paul. They gave because they were personally surrendered to God. Here's what they understood. They understood that God owns it all and we are simply stewards. Real giving, real giving begins, it starts at personal surrender. It means if God has all of me, then he has all of my time, all of my abilities, all of my focus, all of my relationships, all of my finances. He has all of me. So when God says, hey, spend some time in prayer with me today, we say, okay, it's your time anyway. God says, hey, give a little bit extra to to missions or this need. Okay, it's yours anyway. Hey, go speak kindness into that person's life. They need you to invest in them. Okay, it's your words anyway. It's recognizing God, it all belongs to you. Paul told the believers at Rome, he said, I beseech you or I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would do what? That you'd present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Hey, this is just your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In those two verses, famous verses that most teenagers learn, maybe at a youth camp or something like that, here's what Paul is saying to them. Hey, be personally surrendered. You know where caring for people starts? It starts at you being personally surrendered to the Lord. You know where giving to others starts? It starts at me being personally surrendered to the Lord. When we're personally surrendered to the Lord and we know that he owns it all, we are less likely to hold on to it. Paul already in 1 Corinthians, he told the believers this. Remember a few months ago, we were in 1 Corinthians chapter number four and Paul said this. He said, let a man so account of us. Hey, here's what I want people to think of me as a minister of Christ, a servant, and as a steward of the mysteries of God. He owns it all. I simply serve him with it. Think about this. How silly would it be if, uh, if Carlos, well, I can't use Carlos because he does work for me. Uh, if Alex over here just, just was a personal worker for me, and I told Alex, Alex, I'll take care of all your needs, everything you ever need. And I'm, as a matter of fact, Alex, you manage all of my finances and my life. Alex, my calendar, you manage everything. All I ask is that when I want something back, you give it back to me. Alex says, okay, Dennis, we could do that. We start doing that. A few months goes by and I say, hey, Alex, your needs met? Yeah. You got living good? Got a good house? Yeah. Got this? Yeah. I say, all right, Alex. Hey, could you give me $1,000? Uh, Dennis, um, 
A thousand bucks, that's a lot. Uh, how about a hundred? Oh, well, Alex, it's mine. Well, I know, I know, but, but um, it's tied up right now. But Alex, it's my money. Well, I know, Dennis. Okay, Alex, well, give me my thousand dollars. Well, how about 250? Let, let 250. Now, you're laughing because that's a silly illustration, but that's what we do with God. God goes, hey, talk to that person about me. Well, Lord, Lord, you don't, God, you don't know. You don't know the situation. Lord, you don't know the background of that relationship. God, you don't know. God, you can't. God says, hey, why don't you be a blessing to that person today? Speak kindness into their life. Well, Lord, no, I can't. I can't do that. You know what we're saying? We're saying, God, how about 250? God's going, hey, it, it's my time. You, you, I, gave, I gifted you with my abilities. I, I, you, you didn't create yourself. It's not pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. No, 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 no. God's, God is the one who owns it all. Does that make sense this morning? I fear that sometimes, though, we say, no, 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 God. God, I, I recognize you own it all, but um, actually I own it all, so I don't recognize that. It starts with personal surrender, understanding that he owns everything. We'll grow in our giving when we're personally surrendered. We'll grow in our giving when we see that giving is encouraging. But I think also today from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we'll grow in our giving when we realize that giving, it proves our love. And giving proves our love. Go with me to verse number 8 of 2 Corinthians 8. And what Paul wrote to them, he said this, I speak not by commandment. Hey, I'm not, I'm not demanding this of you. No, I'm speaking this by the occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. Later in verse number 24, Paul writes this, Wherefore show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. Paul says to the believers at Corinth, Hey, this is a great opportunity for you to prove where your love is and to prove who you love. You've been saying you love the believers at Jerusalem. You've been saying you love people. You've been saying you love God. Now's your chance to prove it. You've spoken about how much you love him. Prove it. The statement was fam made famous by Amy Carmichael when she said this, you can give, you know, you know the statement, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without what? Giving. Jesus said it this way, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I'll say this morning, what we give and what we give to, it shows where our love is. You want to know where God's love was? John 3.16, probably the most famous verse that people know, says it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Hey, God loved, he loved you and I so much, so what did he do? He put action behind his love. He gave to prove his love, the love of God provoked the giving of his son. What is giving? Giving is the demonstration of love. It is the work behind the character trait of love. And we invest into that which we love. When we love the Lord, when we're going to invest in the things of the Lord. When we love missions, we're going to invest in missions. When we love, listen, if I love my spouse, I'm going to invest in my marriage. 
If I love my kids, I'm gonna invest in my kids, right? Why? Because I love them. You know what a lot of Christians do? We love the wrong things. We invest all of our time and money and abilities and talents. We invest it all into good things. It's, they're good things. Hey, listen, hunting and fishing is, is a good thing, but it shouldn't own you. Hey, sports are a good thing, but it shouldn't be what you pour your life into. Hey, listen, your family is a good, God-given thing. And while you pour your life and, and finances into them, it shouldn't be priority in your life. No, what should be first is our love for God. And because of that, every action and every word and every uh, 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 character trait from my life, it flows from the aspect of, I love God. God, you own it all. And so, God, I just want everything to show you that I love you. The words that I say, the places that I go, the people that I see, and the, how I handle my finances, God, I just want it to prove that I love you. Man, giving, it proves our love. When we love the Lord, giving should follow that love because our, our love for God, we are willing to give him our time. We're willing to give him our abilities, our money, our thoughts, our family. I love God, so I'm willing to give to him. Later, and we won't take time to do it, but 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1 through 4, <clears throat> Paul tells them, he kind of helps with the, the verse that we looked at, verse number uh, um, uh, 24, or no, yeah, verse number 24 in chapter number 8. Paul says, hey, I told everybody about how much you, how, how excited you were. In chapter 9, verses 1 through 4, he tells them, it, getting excited about giving isn't giving, you can get excited about it all you want. Man, I think about, and I'm, I'm going to use the Jones family. I think about, I'm, about the, uh, the, the work in Pasadena. Man, it's an exciting thing. And I'm thankful, and he didn't say this this morning, but our church has already been a small, little, itty-bitty part. Uh, because when we were there, man, we were uh, at the church that Sunday, and it had been a time that God had blessed our missions here at our church. And I was just like, man, God is doing something here. And I called a couple of our men, and I was like, I'm at this church in California, and uh, man, they're a church plant. They've only been going for two years. Here's what I want to do. God's blessed us. Can, let's give them $1,000. Let's just let's be a blessing to them. Now, had I done that, and not actually, you know, had our church not actually given them the check, it would have been for naught. Man, it's exciting. Woo, Pasadena, man, people are getting saved. This is awesome, man. Everybody needs to be involved. Did you do something? No, but everybody needs to be involved. Well, what are you going to do? I'm getting excited about it. Woohoo! I'm cheering them on. That's what Paul tells him in 2 Corinthians 9. He's like, hey, you've gotten all excited about being a part of helping what's going on in Jerusalem, but you need to know that you've got to step up and say, no, my excitement, my excitement isn't in vain because I'm really giving and it shows who I love. How can we grow in giving and caring? Well, recognize that giving is encouraged. It's encouraging. Giving, it, it takes personal surrender. Giving, it proves our love, but also giving, it's always rewarded. I briefly spoke about it, but jump down, if you would, to chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. <clears throat> Paul says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly to give sparingly shall also reap, shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully 
shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able, he's able to make all grace and strength and empowering abound toward you, that you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. You know what Paul is writing to them in these verses? Paul takes a minute to encourage the believers in their giving by showing them, hey, when you give, God is faithful to bless your giving. But don't give, don't give uh, uh, grudgingly. To give grudgingly means to give out of annoyance or grief. I'm just annoyed, man. Good night. Quit asking. You know, I mean, uh, how many parents? How many parents do that? You know, I know a lot of parents that don't stay consistent because of of an annoyance in asking, and so they give grudgingly. Paul says, "Man, don't give to the work of the Lord grudgingly. Don't do it of necessity." The phrase in this verse of necessity, it means to be guilted into it or to feel like you have to do it. Paul says, don't do that. No, instead, give cheerfully and give bountifully. Well, Well, Paul, what happens when I do that? Know that God is a greater giver than you are. My dad, growing up, he always said this and always stick with me. I've said it many times. He said it here. God's shovel is bigger than your shovel. So he always said, as a little kid, I remember him trying to teach me about giving. I'd say, but dad, if I give a dollar, I'm not gonna have that dollar for the candy store, you know, or whatever. And dad would always say, hey, God's shovel's bigger than your shovel. If God put it on your heart, son, God's shovel's bigger than your shovel. Giving is always rewarded. Notice the promise that God gave through Paul to the believers at Philippi when he said this, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Many years ago, many of you have met and and, uh, may know, uh, one of our missionaries is a man by the name of Tom Lancaster. Tom Lancaster, I think he is probably... Baby, is he probably 80 now, 80, 81 up there? And uh, Tom Lancaster, he's a missionary to the military. So he goes and he reaches people at military bases, and he himself has a military background. I mean, just God has used them in a great way. And he was here. It was Easter Sunday night, uh, 2013 or 2014. And we just had a great service that night. It was a Sunday night service that went for like two hours. And it was, you're like, oh, that one doesn't sound great to me. Uh, it, was, it was an incredible service. Uh, he preached just a great message and God was working and people were giving testimonies about what God was working in their life about. But here's one thing he said the following year at our missions conference. The following year at our missions conference, he was talking about God rewarding giving. And he said it this way, and I never thought about it like this. He said, but don't think that God is going to reward you the way that you gave to him. I paused and thought about that. Okay, that makes sense, right? If, if I give $100 to the Lord, don't expect that God's immediately, I'm gonna open the mailbox and find $200. Because he said this, often God's blessings in your giving, God rewards giving in ways that you and I cannot see. He said, I guarantee you that a person who tithes will have a refrigerator that runs longer than a person who doesn't tithe. I guarantee you that a person who gives to missions will be able to see their gas last longer than somebody who doesn't give to missions. 
And then he began to tell stories of people from his churches and years of ministry, people who he knew that gave and people who he knew that didn't, and began to tell stories and all these different things. And here's, here's the whole principle he was getting at. Sometimes we think, all right, if I sign that check for missions, uh, you know, if I sign, and by the way, some of you are like, Pastor, we've been talking about money for a few weeks because God talks about money. So we're just gonna keep doing that every now and then. And if you don't like it, come talk to me and we'll talk more about money. <laughs> But here's the thought, uh, and well, and I'm going to say this. Can we just do some rabbit trails for just a second? Uh, God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need my money. Well, then why do we talk about it, Pastor? Because God gives us an opportunity to partner with him to see God do great things through our money. If I had the time to just tell you story after story after story after story of God coming through because of giving, it would blow our minds. But that's the type of God we serve. He's like, I don't need it. I own the cattle on a thousand hills and I own the hills that the cattle are on. I don't need your money, but I give you an opportunity. So don't ever come to the, you know, when we have a service that we're preaching about money or talking about it, don't come and think, well, there's the church asking for money again. No, no, no. It's God saying, hey, can you trust me? Hey, would you partner with me? Hey, can I work through you? That's what God's doing. Okay, back to this thought. God supplies He supplies and gives back to us in ways that we don't even recognize. So don't step back and think, well, I I gave that money to such and such and God didn't, you know, I never opened the mailbox and found my $200. Maybe step back and say, God, would you show me ways that you've blessed my life that I don't deserve? Because that's when you'll go, oh, oh, wow, I guess God's shovel is bigger than mine. But I want you to notice lastly today, the main reason that you and I can grow in our giving. We can grow in our giving when we realize that we give because Jesus gave. Look at chapter 8 and verse number 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became what? that ye through his poverty might be rich. You know, Paul is saying to them, I, man, I love, I love the writing of Paul. Number one, it's challenging. Number two, it's convicting. But number three, it always just brings it back to Jesus. And here's what Paul says to him. Hey, while you're thinking about giving, can I just remind you who else gave? We already looked at John 3, 16, that God in his love gave. But Paul reminds them here, hey, God was rich, yet he became poor to give to you. You know what? When we give, we are following the best example. And again, I want you to understand, we're not talking just about finances today. Now, when when you give of your time to serve the Lord, you're giving because Jesus gave. When you give of your words to invest, speak kindness into somebody's life, you're giving because Jesus gave. When we give of our finances, we're giving because anytime we give, man, we can give because he gave. John wrote it this way in 1 John 5, verse 11 and 12. This is the record. 
that God hath given unto us eternal life, and this life, it is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Hey, you and I, we can have eternal life because Jesus gave. To the believers at Ephesus, Paul said this, walk in love as Christ also loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Hey, when we give, we are following his example. And what a great example to, to to strive for. What a great, what a great uh, a target to shoot for. The fact that Jesus gave and we can give. You want to know what will help you this week, this week. You want to know what's going to help you invest time into people and invest conversation and kindness into people and invest financially into the work of God. You know what's going to help you? What's going to help me? is if I come back to the place where I go, I can give because Jesus gave. I can speak truth into someone's life and tell them about Christ because Jesus gave truth to me. I give because he gave. So I wanna give you a couple of thoughts and we'll be done. I wanna say this morning as you grow Paul said you're growing in faith. Man, you're trusting the Lord. Hey, you're growing in knowledge. Man, you are learning about God. You're growing in utterance. You're able to speak up for God. You're growing in diligence. You have a mind to pursue God. And you are growing in your love for us. He's talking about the the ministers of God. Man, you are loving the people of God. But as you grow in these areas, don't neglect growth in the area of giving and caring for others. Moses Lake Baptist Church, this year, I want to challenge us to grow by caring for others and by giving. Not because pastor's asking. Not because we're guilty. I'm grudging. Oh, I guess they need my, God needs my money. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm asking you. Would you ask God, hey, God, would you help me in this? God, would you help me to grow in this? God, would you show me what amount you want me to give? God, would you show me how I could use my time to better give to you? Again, I I hope this morning we're not gonna leave like, well, he just spoke about finances today. No, I hope we'll leave saying, man, he spoke about stewardship today. How am I stewarding my life, my talents, my money, my abilities? How am I using it to point to him? You want to grow in it? Remember that giving is encouraging. It's a blessing to people. Remember that giving, it starts with personal surrender. I will never give to God until I recognize that he owns it all. Giving, it proves, it proves where our love is. And you say you love your spouse, prove it. You say you love the Lord, prove it. Giving is always rewarded. God's shovel is bigger than ours. But in giving, we can always give because Jesus gave. Thank you for listening to this message. It's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.